welcome to Four Guys in a Comic. When they cosplay, they're always XO Manowar. Dread, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. What is up, everybody? This is Tap, and back with a brand new week of Four Guys in a Comic. But this week, it's really three guys talking about comics because uh, we're short red this week. So uh, with me, I do have Rusty Surfer. Howdy, howdy. The Rusty Guardian. And none other than Valiant Nova. Hola. <laughs> Me and Nova decided we're changing our names. Okay. Uh-huh. All Nova's right. going to be known as Valiant. Um, <laughs> I'll be known as, I don't know, Madman, I think is what I said. I think you said and, that for sure. And instead of Rusty Surfer, it's now Rusty Guardian. Yeah, we just basically proclaimed these changes. Yeah, we, we proclaimed these. I should make it, it official it w- on the line chat and change my name. Yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah, we'll do see. it. And then he, are you gonna put a picture of um, uh, Mike Allred's Madman too? Yeah, I should. Right. Yeah, I mean it's only appropriate, sure. right? Well, if that's the case, instead of Madman, maybe I should just go by Frank Einstein. Yeah. Hey, that would be cool. Mm. <laughs> see how many people actually catch it. Yeah. Just call me Frank. Frank the Tank Einstein. You know what's surprising to me? You know, you see uh, movie references all the time of people wearing like Madman exclamation point shirts and stuff. You know, especially mm-hmm. in the Kevin Smith stuff because he's friends with them. But like yeah. even in a lot of other cartoons and stuff, you can see like the reference of it. But that's the weirdest part about it is honestly, I don't know that many people that read Madman or have read Madman or anything. And it's really surprising, you know, that with. I guess how underground big it is that uh, not more people uh, talk yeah. about it. I think it's, it's one a of those classic. Oh well, yeah, and I think it's one of those things too where it's an iconic symbol, and people may not know where the symbol comes from. They just know that they've seen it, and then it kind of becomes like this pop culture thing. So they're like, "Oh, I see this T-shirt with it. It looks cool. I know it's a pop culture reference or whatever the case may be. I'm gonna buy this shirt." And, like, they really have no idea, like, what they're wearing. They might think it's Freakazoid. Mm. That's true. I know Freakazoid when I, did borrow from it. Yeah, when I was younger, I, I always mixed up Madman and, and Freakazoid. I thought they were one and the same for a long time when I was a kid. They're very, very similar, except uh, Freakazoid, as we all know, is very goofy. Yes. Um, whereas Madman talks like he's from the fifties. I love he's it. That's innocent. probably my, that is probably my all time favorite thing about the Madman comics is that he speaks like with like the fifties lingo. So everything's like, gee, golly, Willikers, like <laughs> yeah. Ginchy. And I was telling Nova this last week too. I thought Ginchy was like a made up all red word. I'd never heard that word before in my life before reading Madman. So I Googled it to see if it was a real word, and by God, it is. It's a slang term from the 1950s that means, like, sexy or cool. <laughs> you said Ginchy? Ginchy. G-I-N-C-H-Y. Huh. So if people are like, hey, you're real Ginchy, or you're the Ginchiest, things like that. Like, that was a real <laughs> slang from, like, back in the 50s. So it's like you're saying your hot stuff, basically. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to bring it back. Uh-oh. Like it's bringing uh, it back. Way well, back. Well, Allred brought it back, but I'm going to like use it in my everyday life and see how many other people I can get to start saying it. Like I'm going to I'm bringing Ginchy back. Mm, mm. Mm. You all don't you know should, how to. Uh. Wow. <laughs> you should just <laughs> 
You should just freak out everyone at Planet Comic Con. Everyone you go up to, just be like, "I think your work's Genshi, man. I think it. I truly <laughs> think it is." It's solid. It's solid. Hang out with Jason Aaron. Your Wolverine run <laughs> is real Genshi. Speaking oh. of, you're pretty Genshi yourself, Jason. <laughs> yeah, so this might be the beer talking. <laughs> so so wait, still keep staying on the topic of Madman. Still, uh, Nova, you've read. Have you read the old stuff? Have you only read the Valiant? I mean, the um, what is the image, image. stuff? Yeah, because yeah, I've yeah. only read I've only the re- image so far. Even then, I've barely read it. Really? Did you I get to the issue um, where I think it was like issue? Three, where he did every panel in the style of another artist and just dedicated the whole book to like this massive list of people like it literally took up like a page and a half of the whole dedication no i don't think so Dude, is that issue three i think it's issue three yeah no i'm telling you i, I really do need use to use the magical website that rusty has informed us all of and go read the old run of Madman. It'll make the image stuff that much better because of all the references and, and stuff. Okay. I mean, I was going to do it anyway, but I it's figured... It's so I- good. It's so good. Like, I think I like the 90s stuff better. Ooh. There's not much 90s stuff that you like, so that says no, something No, there's right a lot there. of 90s stuff that I like. Besides X-Men? Yeah, like Evil Ernie, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Okay, I didn't know you were into Johnny the Homicidal. So are you excited about the Invader Zim movie that's going to be coming out or whatever? Um, Yeah, when, so Invader Zim came out when I was like in my late teens, early 20s. Yeah, it came uh, out when I was like in middle school, I think. Yeah, so it, it came out like in my early 20s, and I was watching it, and... Uh, I had like the whole series on DVD and stuff, and it was great. I absolutely loved the show. Um, I actually, funny story, uh, so I used to be in a few metal bands. Well, me and my one bass player, we wanted to create like kind of like a joke band, and we wanted to make like our joke band like a pop punk band, sort of like, I don't even know, because I don't listen to punk music, but like a real like poppy punk band that's like just fun and like, hey. Like Blink-182? Yeah, like Blink-182, <laughs> but poppier, because I actually like Blink-182. Yeah, like like super just like happy, feel-good, punk, ska type music, right? Okay. And uh, we wanted to name the joke, and it was all going to be joke songs. Like nothing was going to be serious. It was all going to be joke songs. And the band name was going to be Gur to the 10th. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, I don't know where we got to the 10th from, but we stole Gur from Invader <laughs> Zim. And we just thought it'd be cool, like, because we kept saying Gur, what did we say? Gur times 10 or Gur to the 10th power is what we initially were saying. And then we said, nope, that's too much Gur. Just Gur to the 10th. <laughs> like, that's good. Yeah. And then we were also going to name our other band the Ass Kicking Fat Kids. <laughs> <laughs> And the funny thing is, we were all like thin as a rail back then. So that's what made that <laughs> band joke even funnier. That's pretty good. That's pretty. I actually be, stole that, huh? You could be Zim and the Invaders. Right? Yeah, 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 dude. Those Whatever. dreams are now. Those dreams are now long gone. Those it uh, never came to fruition. But I actually have a lighter, a Zippo lighter. It says "Gone." It reminded me of Gur too. So no, I like Invaders Zim, but they're doing a movie. They're doing a movie on it now, and it's gonna oh. be like. I, I was unaware it, of that. Yeah, it's supposed to be like in the same styling and it and everything, but it's gonna be a movie, so we'll see. 
Nice. All I've done is announce it, basically. That's it. So no, I I did enjoy me some Invader Zim. That was good stuff. For sure. So yeah. Nova, uh, since you said you're not really into Madman, is there anything kind of obscure from the '90s like that that you're really into that's not Sandman? <laughs> from the '90s, yeah. Sandman's not obscure. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't pull anything from the top of my head from the '90s. From the Jeez. '90s. That's All when the indie scene the blew up. Yeah, but it's. I mean, I could. I could list a few vertigo titles but i mean you just told me not to so uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know what's obscure uh yeah it's tough i didn't like obscure stuff because it wasn't always good so what is your favorite thing from the 90s maybe i guess hellboy started in the 90s so that was pretty damn cool yeah um hellboy sin city is a good one that i feel people don't really talk about and back then, that one was also super underground. Yeah. I keep telling yeah, I Nova, in the early Madman, Hellboy made like several cameo appearances in the early Madman books and the Dark Horse run. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, the Tundra run and the Dark Horse run. He made, Hellboy made some appearances. Huh. Now, I have a question because in like in the Goon, when, when Hellboy shows up, it's I think it specifically says that Mike Mignola was writing the dialogue for Hellboy. Is that the same case off the top of your head for Mad Men? Like, I don't believe did so. It say, I'd, oh, okay. I'd have to go back and double check, but I don't believe so. And Hellboy actually didn't even really say a whole lot. He just sort of like appeared mm. on paper. Because <laughs> like, like uh, Eric Powell and Allred were friends, and so he got permission yeah. to utilize Hellboy. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's Allred drawing Hellboy. Maybe not. Maybe it was Magnola drawing it. I don't know. I'll have to go back and double check. Yeah. Or I can tell you even more here once I get that Madman Gargantua. Oh, see, I'm excited for you to get that when you read the whole thing through, and then you can tell me all oh, the people that appear in it. Because I'm super curious <laughs> if there's any spawn or anything like that. Well, Madman Gargantua is the series from the 90s. Oh, I thought it's it might like, be everything. No, it's well, there's two of them. There's Madman Gargantua, and then a few years later they released uh, Madman Atomica. And Atomica is like the Madman and the Atomics. And then I think I want to say it might also have um, the image run in there as well. It's like Gargantua is like 968 pages and Atomica is like over a thousand. It's a lot of pages. Yeah. It's a lot of Madman. Yeah. Crazy enough. Okay. So Gargantua was limited to 2,500 issues, right? Um, 300 or 350 of those issues were signed and numbered. I unfortunately did not get one of those. I just got one of the regulars. But it's only limited to 2,500 copies in the world. And That's pretty cool. It was released in 2007. The Atomica was released in 2011. And I cannot find the print run on that anywhere. But it almost feels like Atomica is harder to find than Gargantua was. So I don't know if Atomica had a lower print run or what. I can't find anything out about it. So if anybody does know, tweet us and let me know what the print run on Atomica is because yeah. I can't find anything by it. And every time I think I found an issue, like it's th- two to three hundred dollars. The cover's like one twenty-five, and I'm like, Mm-mm, no way. I've even seen some like up in the six hundreds, and I'm like, you guys are insane. Yeah, those get pricey. Yeah, um, I was reading some, 
Yeah, I got a slight case of the Rusties earlier today, and I started reading some. Uh, you only read one issue. Old, old EC stuff. <laughs> uh, How did you? Yeah, but I was I wasn't into the horror. I was reading um, Weird Science, oh, and okay. the story I read was incredibly cool. I I wish I could afford those archives, but there's just like there's like four of them, and they're like fifty bucks each. I don't want to spend that money. But it's about these two professors, and they create this formula that sort of shrinks stuff. So they shrink like a rat that just keeps getting smaller and smaller. And so one of the professors is like, oh, I'm going to go tell everyone you you close, like shut everything down for the night. And this guy, while shutting it down, just screws up royally and ends up dousing himself in this chemical that shrinks him. So he just keeps shrinking and shrinking. And the professor comes back just in time, of course, to give him this like little tiny gun. So he's got this little tiny gun as he keeps shrinking. And he shrinks into like the the professor's skin, and he just keeps shrinking lower and lower. And then it turns out, back then I guess they thought that when you shrink down past the atom, the atom is actually like a universe. So he keeps landing on these like planets and trying to figure out if they can stop the the shrinking. And he just keeps shrinking further and further and going through these infinite um, universes. That as he shrinks. sounds it was a freaking super- epic. I know. Yeah, right? it was so cool. It was like eight pages, and it was this was in like the fifties, and yeah. it doesn't even seem like a fifties comic. I was hooked. There was one pan, pa- panel where he's like holding a planet in his hands, and it looks so cool. Um, yeah, it's great. Those those stories are awesome. It's just like this is genius. This is such a cool idea. See that uh, EC had it going on in the fifties, like because they were doing, oh, yeah. you know, the weird science stuff. They were doing the horror stuff, and they were also doing crime mysteries, and then they were also yeah. doing Mad Magazine. So they had like yeah. everything covered in the fifties, and everything yeah. was like a lot of the time the stuff was super like you know intricate and detailed, like you were describing with that story. Yeah, I feel like um, it's it's weird because no one pays attention to them. Everyone talks about like you know, the 50s Golden Age comics and stuff. I feel like superhero comics, I can't stand Golden Age superhero comics. I just can't read them. It's so hard to read, you know, it. sure, you're going to read Detective Comics 27 once in your life just to see what the, uh, what the like, <laughs> what the whole buzz was about. Yeah. But it's not enjoyable that much. But like reading this EC story, I was like, this is incredible. I need to read more. Um, So I, I may do that once in a while. Just a short burst of... Uh, some weird weird science see that's what i'll do man uh, especially with the uh vault of horror and uh, tales from the crypt i'll alternate like usually one day a week i'll spend like my whole night basically just reading like tales from the crypt and the other night i'll spend the whole night just reading uh vault of horror and i'll but i mean i i haven't been doing it lately but like you said man like you read one and one issue might be meh or whatever, you know, with not that many good yeah, stories. Yeah. But then randomly you'll come across an issue that has like all of them are like solid. And you're just like, wow, yeah, exactly. this is amazing, you know. And that, that's what really pulls me in about those EC comics because they alternate like everything. It's always like different people on yeah. different stories. And so you're just constantly getting different stuff. And they're all just little short stories, four to eight pages, like you said. Yeah, it makes me want to investigate this stuff more. Like um, just in general, older comics, like the old Conan stuff written by Roy Thomas. I wonder maybe that was even like, maybe that was a fun thing to read. I don't know. Give it a shot. Makes me want to go back and see um, what kind of gems were hidden back there that were actually ahead of their time. Yeah, definitely. I, and that's something I think not many people today 
really look into is those older comics and stuff, you know, and especially the 50s, because, you know, a lot of people nowadays, uh, even though I know y'all really aren't into it, but most people are fanboy Marvel. Like, you know, the, the general population is like Marvel, even if it's bad, they're still like Marvel, you know? Yeah, we witness that on a daily basis. You don't see. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, it, it's funny because, you know, Marvel wasn't around in the 50s. So not many, I don't think many comic fans actually go back to the 50s and read anything from that decade. You know what I mean? I mean, unless you're yeah. really into comics. But, you know, most everyday comic guy doesn't go back and read random stuff from there. And I feel like it's a really kind of like a unexplored thing, I guess, even though everything's yeah. been explored, but, but media wise, see, like with people actually going back and reviewing and uh, making podcasts based around it or anything, you know, it's just not there with the fifties. Well, I mean, if, if anyone really wants to try it and you like, like uh, twilight zone, check out weird signs. Cause that would be right up your alley. It's so cool. And it's funny. I was watching, um, I know I'm very late in the game. I was watching Stranger Things earlier today. And wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Back, had... up, back up, back up, back <laughs> up. You've never seen Stranger Things. No, no, I just wow. watched episode four for the first time today. Oh, oh man. Dude. Where have you been? Even Rusty has I've... seen Stranger I've Things. Been, I watched that thing myself in like two up. days. So <laughs> I've been beating myself up today over. I was like, I can't believe I never watched this show. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, so good. it's really good. Um, but yeah, this this fits right in. And I think reading something like Weird Science really opens up your mind in terms of like even reading stories now. You're like, you're, people are right. People are really not creative anymore with these stories. Like these guys told crazy epics out of this like, world like wild. in eight pages. It's a lot of text, but you're reading through it and it's like it, it doesn't it's not cheesy dialogue either with like exclamation marks everywhere. Um, it's great. Highly, highly recommend you guys. uh check that out and it's like eight eight you know you read eight pages you've got a story so you're like all right well i could read the next one because i'm you know my focus is back it's a new story i got through a whole story versus some of those you know modern day arcs where you're like oh god all right let's talk about uh these guys and their relationship like uh, x-men blue for example i mean yeah okay let's talk about the whale and the, uh, the elephant in the room here all right uh, what x-men blue all right so I know Rusty's been dying to talk to us about X Men Blue. Yep. We've all three read it. <laughs> yep, yep. So let's let's dive in and discuss. Um, mm-hmm. I think we should let Rusty go first, and then we poo poo on his parade. No, I... like let's let, let's let let's let Rusty go first. I'm just curious. Maybe you'll change my perception. Yeah, of it. yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm gonna tell you. I went into this issue completely green, and I haven't read but maybe two issues of the all new X-Men stuff. So a lot of the stuff that was, they were doing in the comic, which we'll talk, I know there's something that we're going to talk about tap that you hate, but um, just going through it, like seeing all this new stuff, it's like, Oh, I'm just kind of learning about them for the first time a little bit. I mean, I had a general idea of what, what was going on, but the thing that I guess put me really over about the comic was that, I mean, it didn't feel like it was stuck to anything else X-Men. Like, it was like like you could just jump into this not knowing anything. But there was one thing in it that, I guess, really stood out that, like, stuck me. And it's something that happened in the past that Colin Bunn just so happened to put in the book, was Juggernaut. And Juggernaut was a continuation, his version in that, of Amazing X-Men, 
which was going on before Secret Wars, and then just abruptly stopped. Like, the series got to issue, I think, like, 19 or 20, and then all of a sudden, it was Juggernaut gets this extreme amount of power, and then they trick him into falling off a giant cliff. He hits the ground, stands up, and he can't climb back up the cliff in time to capture them, and they run off. And then you're just left with this stupid, overpowered Juggernaut that didn't fight anyone. You don't know what he can do, and he just walks off into the sunset, and it says, The End. And you don't know anything about it. So going into this and seeing him pop back up, even though he had a minor role, it's cool to see that he still is, I guess, this overpowered version of himself that hasn't figured out how to use all his powers yet. So I'm hoping we see more of Juggernaut. Um, But overall with X-Men Blue, I I mean, I I like the writing. It's Colin Bud. I mean, it's pretty much a given. And then, um, I don't know, it, it semi-felt original to me. I mean, they reused old characters, but it, I was hoping that, I'm hoping that it goes in a good, different direction than what we're normally used to seeing being rehashed over and over and over again. Yeah. But that's my take I, on um, it. I, I can see that. Uh, I just personally, I'm, I don't know, some of the dialogue's really hard to get through for me with these young kids. Yeah. The young X-Men. Uh Cyclops is still a douche. <laughs> True story. That's yeah. You that's okay. the thing though with these characters. Like, I think I'm just excited more so to see the fact that Beast doesn't look like a stupid dog thing and that Jean Grey is back and hopefully around for a while. So Okay. So <laughs> You said that you thought you felt like this was a book that somebody with absolutely no knowledge of X-Men could jump in and read. Now, I will mildly agree. I would say if somebody knew absolutely nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing about the X-Men, never even watched the 92 cartoons, okay, I might agree with you there. However, somebody like a casual X-Men fan... Okay, it's not a diehard. They haven't read everything out there. So someone like myself, okay, a casual X-Men fan. Like, I'll pick it up. I'll read some arcs. I won't read others. Things like that. For a casual X-Men fan, it is not a book that you can just pick up and read. The reason being is if you don't know what happened previously, you have no idea why they're 15 years old, first of all. And you're scratching your head going, what the hell? Why are they 15? Now, I kind of know why from reading um, Extraordinary X-Men and things like that. I kind of got the gist of why they're younger. They're from an alternate timeline, things like that. Like, I I get that. Um, But you're also going to have people scratching their heads going, why is Beast human-ish looking? Like, he looked like he did in the 60s, -hmm. okay? Um, Whereas if they watched X-Men, the 92 cartoons, they're going, that's not Beast. Now, here's the thing that really threw me off. All of a sudden, Beast is like Doctor Strange. <laughs> That's what I was here, talking about. He's early. over here casting spells and crap. Yep. Now, we asked the room, because I was very confused by this. So I was I pulled confused, the room, too. And the room did say, well, you have to go back and read... Uh, it was all new title X-Men, it was. Uh, yeah, it was some title. 16 or something like that. And, yeah. and it explains that why he knows... Magic. The mystic arts and things like yeah. that. Fair enough. If there's a reason for it, um, I was really hoping Colin Bunn just didn't throw it in there. Just 
randomly, which he didn't. He took it from a previous story, which is awesome. I respect that. But once again, if you're a casual X-Men fan, you don't get it. Like, yeah. you, you don't get the reference. And so you're like, so then you're scratching your head going, what the fuck is going on? So unless you have the room or a chat room or a comic book shop or something like that that you can talk shop with and find out why these things are the way that they are, which luckily we did, and that helped answer some of the questions that I had, you're not going to get it. You're not going to to enjoy the book. You're going to be super, super confused by all of it. Um, I will say that I was really happy about Jean Grey being back. You know, that's cool. I always like seeing, like, the original X-Men. I like seeing Iceman. I like seeing Angel. Although I'm confused. Why, once again, I'm a casual X-Men fan. Why does Angel have, like wings of fire or whatever it was okay uh, that was a mirror thing right yeah uh, black I, vortex or something <laughs> was it black vortex i've seen I angel so, with yeah. feather wings and i've seen him as archangel with the adamantium wings but i've never yeah. seen him with like wings of fire see black vortex this is the wrong. thing though like the reason why we're split on this is because like i said i've only read one issue of all new x-men so i went into knowing as much about the characters basically as you did the only thing that i knew in advance before anything about the characters was the juggernaut thing but i felt like it was easy to explain like even if you just went up to some random person and was like why did this happen and if they just told you, oh, these X-Men are from the past, from a previous story, and this is just them from their point now, then you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to think of these X-Men as the original because they went down a different path. I'm going to be like, whatever pops up, and I'm be like, okay, so this is probably happening for some reason I don't well, know see, yet. That- and then I'm going to want to ask why it happened because i'm i mean it builds interest we'll see that's and fair enough but that's the thing though it's gonna raise more questions for me such as well where is the original beast where is the original ice man where is the original like i think cyclops is dead right a cyclops supposedly dead dead. No, no he's dead okay so where's the original um beast where's the original ice man where's the original archangel or angel or whoever he's going by at that point in time um, you know, where are the original characters? We don't know. You know what I mean? So unless you're like a diehard X-Men fan, it's hard. And like I said, why was, I didn't know why Juggernaut was nine feet tall. I'm like, you know, the Juggernaut I knew was just like this big hulking beast, yeah. but he was like, you know, maybe seven foot max, but he was just like this big hulking beast thing. Well, this thing was like Juggernaut on steroids. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that. I had to ask questions there. Um, the one thing that I will say though, is that it did Mm. still intrigue me enough to want to continue to read, um, meaning the ending of the book, which it's been out for a while. So if you haven't read it, tough spoilers with Magneto. The ending was cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, The ending was awesome. I will give it that. The ending was great. Cause now I'm like, Ooh, cause that's the original Magneto, right? It's the original Magneto. Okay. So he knows everything that's happened and they don't know nothing. Exactly. What I'm understanding is what I kind of got from that. So Magneto is going to be able to manipulate them and use them however the hell he wants to do his bidding or whatever. And so that right there is a really, really, really intriguing um, story arc, which is why I will continue to read X-Men Blue because of that arc. It hooked me at the end right there, no doubt. But I will also say I'm not a big fan of the art. It looked yeah. 
it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad art. It just I don't like the style. The style it didn't was very feel like X Men art. No, because most of the, the time when you think of X Men, like it's real clean and you know everything's like pretty proportionate. Yeah, and, yeah, I felt like I was very stylized. I almost felt like I was reading Impulse. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was very stylized. Kind of almost had like a Humberto Ramos type uh, stylized feel to it. And some people dig that. Some people don't. It's all good either way. It's like, like I said, the art wasn't bad by any means. It was very well drawn. I just don't like the style. Um, so that was another thing that kind of threw me off. But I'm also a huge Colin Bunn fan. I'm more of a fan of his um, indie stuff, like his creator-owned stuff is what I'm a larger fan of. I love his creator-owned. But nonetheless, I'm a Colin Bunn fan, so I will continue to read. I just don't... I think it's definitely meant for the diehard X-Men fans. I think the people that are really going to love this title are the diehard X-Men fans. And f- and fair enough. I think it's really cool when you can pick up a book that's meant for a diehard fan and isn't necessarily meant for a first-time reader. It gives that diehard fan some kind of a, like a cool feeling about it. You know, like, ah, I know something you don't know type thing. You know what I mean? It just it feels good when you're a diehard fan and you feel like something was written just for you. So I get it. It's cool. Well, let's. Uh, okay, go ahead, Nova. No, it's good. I'm I'm done talking about X Men Blue. If you got something to say, I was just gonna say mean. one thing. Um, so I mean, we barely touched on it, but I want both of y'all's opinion. Um, what do you really think about Beast doing magic? Like to me, that throws me off so hard. It's really odd. It threw me off but then after someone explained it in the room i can kind of accept it i guess because bun is just doing what someone else did previously right i mean i'm not blaming him but just in general man like yeah it's It's kind of weird that okay it is kind of weird that he's dr strange however i gotta say it was kind of badass like when he sent the dude and they're like oh did you send him to hell like he's like no where did he send him again he He sent sent him him, he sent him to antarctica i think yeah he sent him to antarctica but they had to go through hell in order to get to antarctica and i was like all right that's kind of badass (laughs) like like, that's kind of well done i i did enjoy it i thought it was weird but then again i thought um beast de-evolving into more of a cat-like feline creature um was also weird at first too but then as you continue to read like the new x-men and stuff and you kind of find out why he's de-evolving it actually made me appreciate the character more so i think it's just one of the things where i'll grow on you i was just gonna say the de-evolving thing at least was tied to being a mutant this is just like i don't know beast has always been a science guy to me Mm -hmm. i get i guess that magic is yeah it's just weird for me it's just what if he gets it's like reed richards it's like reed richards doing doing magic and all of a sudden he's like unstoppable he just rules the planet well isn't that kind of almost what the maker did or (laughs) i'm about to say that because he's the maker's in hell with doom's mom who is magic i mean where, where do you go from there you got the smartest guy who can now do magic game over marvel universe is done right I mean, what else are you gonna do what other stories do you write you could do beast and doctor strange teaming up can you imagine beast takes down the maker like they'd just be crazy it'd, it'd blow my mind it, hey maybe, it's an absurd maybe there is idea. a full-term plan and we're all <laughs> sitting there i don't know man no more magic no. You know, I just I still hope Scarlet that Witch. the beast though, even though he's kid or whatever, he still turns into blue beast. I just don't want him to turn into weird 
dog nose beast. Like if he just went to the nineties beast, that would be okay. I wonder what they're gonna do with these guys one day. Just are they permanently in the continuity? Do you think? Dude, I mean, they'll send yeah, them back. <laughs> they're At least from the, the next past eighteen months until the yeah. next big crossover event wipes everyone out. Well, they can't wipe them out because if they cease to exist, I guess the new X Men ceased or the current ones. No, ceased? they'll no, they'll bring back. They'll just bring everybody back. There'll be some weird loophole where everybody There's comes back to life quo. and the six one six is reset yeah. to the nineties. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would just mean one less uh, one less X Men title they can publish. Um, did you guys check out Weapon X as well? Okay, I haven't. Read I didn't know Weapon that was X out. Yet. I didn't know that was out yet. Oh yeah, man. That released this Did last you read week. It, Rusty? Yeah, last Wednesday. Well, oh, not okay. last well, Wednesday, but the Wednesday last week. Okay, Same I will be downloading that tonight. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, how was it? Is it good? Good. I've heard anyone talk I liked about it. it. That's good. Hey, man, Greg Pack. Um, Greg Pack writing. I always liked him. I thought it was good. It's probably the best X Men number one I've read of all the ones so far. That's cool. Um, yeah. Mostly because it's got a lot of Wolverine and. I do like Wolverine. Wait, is that the one where they... No, that's not the one that has Wolverine's son. Is it Jimmy or whatever his no, name is? No, that's Blue. That was the end of Blue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. you're right. Weapon X is like, there. there's going to be that whole team he hooked up with Sabretooth and... Um, okay, is Sabretooth a good guy or a bad guy? I think they're on the same side. I don't want to give away the plot of the issue, okay. um, but the issue is explains the why one, they're sort of buddy-buddy. Is this the one with buddy. Lady Deathstrike as well? Yes. Yeah. It's okay. the, where she yeah. washed up on the beach in Prime. Or whatever. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I did like it's Prime. It's very claw based. I like well, I like it's the first very, half of Prime. Yeah. It the I feel like the series is gonna be very claw based. <laughs> it's just claws everywhere. Cutting people in um, half. So if you're into that kind of thing, if you got like a weird cat thing going for you, you may enjoy that uh, series a little more. <laughs> a little extra something something for you there. So if you're a furry, oh. you'll enjoy it. Speaking of which, um I posted a picture, I know Tap saw it, of like old old J- bronze age jla comics oh, and it's like yes. the most absurd thing going on where batman's hooking up with black canary they just like made out in the jla watchtower for no reason at all and then um she was with green arrow at the time and green arrow didn't find out but batman's getting the cold shoulder from her because she thinks of him as a brother so she just made out with her brother and then she says well someone she thinks of as her brother and then tells him yeah i I just i'm so scared of green arrow and i i just like him but he's so scary it's like this bad it's so weird like i was like what am i reading it is super super bizarre bat and batman walks away like oh you can't believe she likes him and not me this is crazy Can you imagine Batman ever saying that? Like from what you know of Batman, like (laughs) that's he's changed so much. It's crazy. Oh my god, I can't imagine him like skulking anymore and being upset. Um, I think it was Mike Friedrich. This was like, it's not a. It started with Denny O'Neill, which was rock solid. He was writing cool like environmental uh, issues and bizarre space adventures, and then uh, Mike Friedrich came along and. He's doing kind of cool things where like things tie in issues later, which I, I didn't expect to happen. Um, like the canary thing, she kissed him like three issues ago, and now they're bringing it up again. But um, yeah, it's we'll see where it goes. I'm I'm looking oh. forward to it a bit. Now, uh, speaking of Batman, um, I think I'm, I guess at this point now, I'm more than halfway through with reading um, 
a long Halloween. Oh my god, you've been reading it for two weeks and you're only halfway through. <laughs> uh, no, I've been reading it only for like a week. It's like twelve issues. Uh, it's like three hundred ninety something pages. Yeah, it's like twelve issues, something like that. But either way, I'm yeah. I'm getting through. It. I'm at the point right now where um, Catwoman figures out that Poison Ivy has Batman under like seduction or whatever. Mm-hmm. Seduce. So I actually want to get witch. the absolute edition of that, and then I want to go back and uh, and read it. It's been a long time since I've read that one. You know, and it's uh, what is it, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sal? Tim Sa- Sale, Sale, yeah, Tim however Sale. you say his name. And you know, I loved because they did uh, Daredevil Yellow, right? I believe so. Yes, I'm pretty sure Daredevil Yellow is good. That is so good. And so it whenever was. I started reading it, and I realized they were the creative team for it, I was just like, okay, cool. Now I will say it's kind of weird seeing Batman with Tim's art. Uh, just because I think Batman's another it, thing where you usually see fine lines and stuff, and yeah, it's kind of it stylized. Takes a little, it takes a little getting used to, but once you do get used to it, oh, yeah, it. one of the most gorgeous things you'll ever see. It's you, it's incredible. That was the thing. Like after issue three of it or whatever, I was just used to it, and I was just like, okay, this is dope. But I think Bruce looks a little weird in the face, but uh, that's the only thing that throws me off. Everything else is wonderful. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I, but do you know what I'm talking about with Bruce, book. like in his face, kind of like rounded? I don't know why, but uh, Bruce comes off as chubby to me in it. So yeah, mm-hmm. one, it, well, it it's takes funny. place after year one. He wasn't in quite physical peak conditioning yet. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just how Loeb draws his characters. But he's got like two page spreads, which are just like just blow your mind. Like that one where he, um, I don't know if you got to this part. I'm sure you did. If you're half of it, he sort of. He sort of hijacks this airplane that uh, Joker had hijacked, I guess. Did you see that? I've gone through the Joker thing already. I guess so. Yeah, I don't. That was good. Hmm. I don't remember that exactly, though. I don't know. You read it that slow and you don't even remember every detail. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel with guy. Joker, it was him running around and trying to figure out. He's like, I know it's Harvey Dent. And then Batman... Uh, he killed people coincidentally on the holidays and Batman was like, you're the holiday. And he's like, I'm not, I'm trying to figure out who it is. And then Batman. Yeah. Do you have, just out of curiosity, I'm not going to spoil anything for you because I don't want to ruin it, but out of curiosity, who do you think the holiday killer is? I still think it's Harvey Dent. You think so? I, th- I mean, the, the, I don't know. It just seemed, I guess like that they're, it, it, that they're pushing towards that. It's Harvey Dent. In it. Okay, but because at the beginning, I think it's like I don't know fourth issue or something. You see Harvey like walk into a garage or something, and then he like pulls out a gun, and it looks like the same gun in all the other panels that kill everybody. Oh, just wait. Okay, you never just played, wait because you never played Batman Arkham Asylum or anything. Have no. You? Well, that's good for you if this is your first time reading it. Yeah. So. <laughs> We'll see, I guess. Yeah. I'm just getting through the Poison Ivy stuff right now. I haven't figured out. I mean, like I said, Catwoman just figured out that uh, Poison Ivy uh, has her him under her spell or whatever, you know. So yeah. mm-hmm. I'm really excited to be able to go back and read Nightfall here pretty soon. Oh, dude. Been, oh, it's been so a long good. time. Very, 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 very long time. So I'm really excited to be able to go back and, and reread Nightfall. It's, I'm going to feel like a little kid again. You know, 
I still haven't read volume two or volume three of Nightfall though. Yeah, it's it's a lengthy one, but um, yeah. the omnibuses are dropping. That's cool. That's cool. You yeah. know, I still feel bad yeah. about Nightfall because you know the whole story behind it, right? Like mm-hmm. they released it, or uh, he released it, and he thought it was going to be a big deal that Batman's getting his back broken. Then Superman died literally the next month after it happened, so it took all the hype away from it. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Sad day. Still a good story. It is a really good story. If you haven't read Nightfall, I i mean, I highly suggest it. I'm sure y'all do too. I'm sure you suggest Invincible to people as well, Rusty. Actually, I do. Like, uh, I'm not joking. <laughs> I have some, I have like two or three friends that basically mostly only read indie and then a little bit of Marvel that I suggest. And then, um, but none of them, you know, were reading Invincible. And I'm still trying to convince this one guy. Uh, my buddy Josh to read Invincible, and he's like diehard Deadly Class right now. He's trying to collect the whole series. Deadly so. Class is oh, it's really good. I'm waiting patiently for the next hardcover. Maybe by the end of this year we'll get it. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Oh my God, Deadly Class! How I love thee. <laughs> you know what the thing is with Deadly Class is I've read like the first three or four issues and i'm just not super into the characters man it picks up and gets so much better like i don't know if you'll ever are you trying to like some of these characters because i don't think you ever will they're all kind of jerks you're not supposed to like it you're just they're drug addicts not the characters (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's so good oh my god i was really late to the deadly class game and once i started reading it i was whoo it was awesome now, Rusty, did you read um, the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy issue? Because I think I saw Thanos on that cover. I haven't. I know how you, f- you, you're like a, you're like a whatever. I'm a magnet moth to, Thanos, to a flame. Right? Yeah, you're a moth to a Thanos. That's true, but I haven't read that issue, man. Well, um, we know how covers can be misleading, so very. is it really Thanos oh, sure. <laughs> that's the question? See, that oh, was the thing. Yeah. That's just like Unworthy Thor Five. We had Thanos on the cover. He was in it for like a page. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's how they get you. Oh. And they get people good. Yeah. Um. Oh. <laughs> well, all right, guys. I think it's time to give uh, uh somebody special to Rusty a call, and um, I think I'm gonna. I don't know. I'll see if I can make it. We'll see. Right. If not, I'm sure he'll put me on blast for not making it. <laughs> yeah, so. I know. Horrible. But we'll see. I know Tap's stoked too. Very, very right? stoked. Right? Get some uh, Toxic Avenger in your life. Nuke them high. If you don't know who we're talking about, just wait and find out. Dun dun dun. And you can tell all your scum friends that things are going to change in this town. I'm not just another pretty face. Hey guys, welcome back to another interview portion of Four Guys in a Comic. And today we have the man behind Troma Entertainment and American film director. You probably know a few of his movies. We have Lloyd Kaufman with us. How are you doing today, Lloyd? Lloyd Kaufman's one of my favorite uh, film directors. 
directors. Uh, what a great um, coincidence. This is terrific. I love his work. He's amazing. Great narcissist. <laughs> Loves to talk about himself. <laughs> narcissist. <laughs> so, so what can you tell us about this uh, Lloyd Kaufman fellow? Like, well, what's his background? It's his 50th year of making movies, 2017, and he finally made it to the four guys in a comic book podcast. And Tap is aboard, which is, I'm a little disappointed that Nova didn't show up, but, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> but awesome. Please, please, send, please send Sierra my, I was very taken with Sierra. Please send her my best, wherever she may be. Oh, I will do. I'll let her know. So, what can you tell us a little, like, about your new movie, Return to, Return to, Newcomb High, Volume 2? What's it about? Well, it continues the uh, story. of the, It's a two-part uh, movie, an event film, uh, except it was made for about uh, 8% of what uh, Kill Bill was made for. Uh, Tarantino's the one that told me to do something a bit more ambitious, uh, to distinguish uh, uh, films from the uh, millions of uh, little movies that are out there. When we were in uh, Sitges in Spain a long time ago at that festival, he uh, gave me that advice. So when I saw that he did Kill Bill, I decided, okay, I've got a lot to say about about uh, LBGT, about bullying, about uh, the crap that uh, the fat kids across the nation are being force-fed like uh, goose with pate foie gras in the public schools, the, the shit that they... They feed them. Uh, there's a lot of political and sociological uh, stuff that I want to talk about, and it's all in those two volumes, all in uh, the two 90-minute uh, halves of uh, Return to Newcomb High Volume 1 and Return to Newcomb High Volume 2. Uh, volume 1, by the way, premiered at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, mm-hmm. along with Spielberg and... Uh, and uh, Scorsese and Woody Allen and uh, Sofia Coppola and in a series called uh, The Contenders, The Contenders. The Museum of Modern Art says The Contenders are the best films of the year. And they put, the curators put The Return to Newcomb High, a movie with uh, three feet uh, penis monsters and <laughs> explosive <laughs> diarrhea and God knows what else, uh, and only half the film. And they put it, uh, they had it in there with the, uh, with the, all the great uh, directors, the Contender series, the best movies from around the world. And the security guys said that there was the biggest crowd they ever had for a Museum of Modern Art uh, movie showing. They had to turn away 100 people, who uh, subscribers who were trying to get in to see uh, Volume 1. Oh, wow. Wow. So now Volume 2, uh, Volume two uh, we've, we've got a start booking movie theaters for the second half of the event film. So tell your local movie theater in Denton uh, that you want to see. In fact, your fans out in uh, out in Four Eyes and a comic book uh, podcast land should, if they want to see uh, our movie on a big screen, and that's how we make our movies, we have thousands of people in all our movies and lots of background action and lots of detail, and our movies are made for the communal sharing, and our fans like to see movies on a screen so it we depend on our fans to to inform their local cinema to uh, book a return to new kumai volume play volume one if they want to have a like a marathon or a weekend event or whatever it's a very exciting very very exciting and our fans are really the locomotive of what uh, fuels trauma we wouldn't be here without our fans and that's why uh we depend on them to tell their movie theaters uh, they want the movie. Otherwise, we would not not get into any movie theaters. 
right? The movie theaters, the movie theaters hate artists. They hate filmmakers. So what they like are um, uh, uh, people, uh, you know, conglomerates, and they love uh, monopolies, and they love uh, playing shit like Doctor Strange. So they'll never answer our call. But if you fans, if you fans uh, would like to uh, have a movie theater playing a trauma movie, Volume Two, Return to Return to Nukemai, uh, you go to your local theater. They listen to the customers. They do listen to the customers. We had about three hundred different theaters play Volume One, and uh, once it got going, the theaters started calling us because Volume One, uh, every time it was screened, it uh, pretty much filled the theater. And it got good reviews. It got good reviews in New York after the Museum of Modern Art. The New York Times gave it a very good review. And uh, so volume two is much better. The second half is uh, a much more interesting uh, half of the movie than volume one. Very nice. Well, we have the Alamo Draft House here in Omaha. I know Rusty's got one down where he's at as well in that area. Yes, yeah, so if I reach out to my local Alamo Draft House and I can set up an event then. You betcha. And I. I'll come. I'll be there. Uh, for volume one, uh, we played some Alamo houses, uh, but I had the better ones, actually, in uh, certain places. But um, I'll, I'll show up. I did a Texas tour. I did uh, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, um, Cincinnati. And is that in Texas, Cincinnati? Oh, yeah. Uh, Detroit, right? Detroit. <laughs> Detroit in Texas. <laughs> I do another podcast called Forkfound Movie Reviews as well, and I will put it out there as, on that podcast as well. And we'll I'll try to set something up at the Alamo Draft House here in Omaha. And if you want to make a trip out here, I'll use that as an incentive oh, to get them to yeah. to do it. Yeah, if they give us uh, two or three months of advance notice, I yeah, can. Yeah. Look, I go I go to L.A. about once a month to blow people, so um, <laughs> I can come, I can I can I, they're the gatekeepers. I can drop down into. Uh, into uh, Omaha or, uh, you know, I can show up at the theaters. So, so, and I did, I didn't show up at 300 theaters, but I did about 20 of them. And I know I did at least four in Texas because I had that, they all were on the same uh, tour. So that, that was great. Very cool. Yeah. I will definitely promote the hell out of it then and uh, see if we can't set something up at the Elmo draft house and, you know, like a, have like a film. We've, event. we've got uh, all sorts of uh, trailers. We've got, the uh, un uh, the not safe for home whatever it is the not safe for work trailer we've got the the medium trailer we've got the PG trailer we've got the G rated trailer so we've got millions of uh, different iterations that they can uh, show to promote the the theater so they can uh, make a lot of money and not pay us anything that is the truth that's the truth do not make money as an independent the cinemas they want. Doctor Strange. They want the piece of shit that spends two hundred million bucks uh, that uh, advertises a lot, and that goes for the uh, so-called uh, independent movies that, for some reason, tend to be uh, uh, made by the sons of uh, movie stars and cost twelve to twenty million dollars. That's what the low-budget independent movie costs these. Is apparently that is, seems to be what the theaters are more interested in. They really don't want anything visionary. You know what I mean? So it's up to the fans. It's up to the fans, not just the fans, mind you, not just the fans, but to make their uh, their opinions known to the exhibitors, right? It's up to them because uh, the exhibitors will never take a, a call from trauma. If people out there do want to start trying to promote us to their movie theaters, what kind of a release date are they looking at that they could that a movie theater could say, yeah, we want to do it? What kind of a release date are they looking at? 
Well, if they want me there, it's got to be three months' notice. But okay. if they want to play the movie, uh, after Cannes, uh, it's uh, open season. Okay, whoever gets, awesome. Whoever gets there first you can have the Omaha premiere. Yeah, it could be, no, it could be I... the... I would love the Nebraska to have you here. Nebraska premiere. Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be yeah, great. No, you uh, uh, Edward, your movies uh, had a big impact on me as a child. I got I got to tell you right now, um the first time I ever saw boobs on screen was Toxic Avenger. Did you masturbate? Uh, no, I was like 8. <laughs> no. Well, the late bloomer then. <laughs> you can't imagine how many fans come I just was at a, a guest of honor somewhere and they uh, so many and, uh, the fans, these these kids come up and they they're sort of uh, eighteen to twenty five. And you know, Mr. Kaufman, the first time I jerked off, it was the it was the the the, the steam room scene in Toxic Avenger. They'll come over to me and whisper in my ear, you know, and they're sweating and, and uh, <laughs> shaking, you know, because they think I'm an important person. But and they want to share that with me, you know. This is like they I, I, I they really, you know. Or confiding in me. There's something that they haven't told anybody. But I've heard that thousands of times. But you were only eight. You were not alone either because there were many grandmothers who brought home the Toxic Avenger director's cut thinking it was one of the Toxic Crusader cartoons. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. The, the, box, the, the box art on Toxic Avenger looks like a cartoon. And the cartoons look like cartoons. So the grandmothers would uh, stick the uh, VHS in the machine set their five-year-olds in front of it, and then the grandmothers would go into their bedrooms and watch porn. Meanwhile, the poor five-year-old kids would watch uh, somebody getting their head crushed by the wheel of an automobile. So, uh, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? I guess, uh, but you were eight, you were eight years old, uh, Tap, so probably you could take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. My, my mom, like, being like, oh, my God, clo- any time the sex scenes came on, close your eyes, close your eyes. And then, like, you know, me sitting there with, like, my fingers kind of pried open a little bit, trying to get a peek to see what was going on. Uh, yeah, I bet. I know yeah. where your fingers were, buddy. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> I don't care how old you were. It's yeah. all right. No problem. Uncle yeah. Lady does. It's an expert at uh, Owenism, if you want to. Yeah, know I mean, I, I think every parent did that. A sex scene would come up, and they automatically the first thing they do is hands right in front of the kid's face. Because I know the first time I saw my first sex or nudity scene, both parents black right in the head. I'll never forget oh, it. Huh? What film what? was it? Do you American remember? Graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And there was a butt, you know, they're mooning. And all of a sudden, Mary, I'm seeing this, and all of a sudden, I get whacked on both sides of my face. And it was like, oh, no, what did I do wrong? Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't think anybody uh, got I don't think anybody was damaged by uh, naked bodies. I think uh, maybe uh, some of the violence in some of these movies, uh, some of those, uh, what do you call them, the uh, sequels to Saw, I didn't see a lot of redeeming quality in those sequels. So torture yeah, I was going to ask now we've mentioned uh, trauma films several times so far for our younger viewers who aren't familiar with that uh, trauma films. Maybe you can talk a little about what is a trauma film. Well, if any of you younger film, if any of you younger fans have seen the work of Terrence Malick, the beautiful waving wheat, uh, the interpretive dancing, uh, the poetry, the Walt Whitman, uh, if you've heard America singing. Uh, that's kind of what trauma has done for 50 years. A very, uh, very uh, beautiful, sophisticated, intellectual, uh, 
Robert Bresson, uh, uh, the um, the uh, morale of Eric Romer. Uh, uh, that's what Patron is all about. So uh, if you like, uh, if you're very intellectually uh, uh, and you like beautiful waving wheat like Terrence Malick, uh, come watch the Troma movies because they're beautiful. They're like poets. Poets. Works of art. The works of art. Tromeo and Juliet. If you're, um, that's a, a big uh, romantic film. Tromeo and Juliet, written by James Gunn. Uh, yep. I don't know what happened to him after that, but uh, I hope he's doing all right. Uh, yeah, he's, well, got, he's got the Guardians of the Galaxy thing going on, so... Oh, oh good, so he's doing okay. Yeah, uh, he's, nice. he's doing all right. But uh, Well, yeah. anyway, the, Tromeo and Juliet, if, you're, if you are a non-male, a gyno-American, uh, you and your uh, beloved should watch Tromeo and Juliet because uh, it's a pretty good romantic... It's a good gateway to Troma. It's very romantic and very beautiful, and it's in iambic pentameter. In fact, the Museum of Modern Art just put that in its... Uh, in its uh, Shakespeare uh, festival, they just had a, a Shakespeare uh, series called Breaking Bard. Breaking Bard and Romeo and Juliet was one of three Romeo and Juliets that they selected. One being Boz Lerman's uh, and uh, the other one, Seth Farelli, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, both of which are in, extremely inferior to uh, the, <laughs> the actors. Well, I, I, I'm not commenting on the movies. But I'm uh, being totally serious. The actors in the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet, wouldn't know Shakespeare if it smashed them in the head. They had no idea what they were saying. The British guy did, the uh, Peter Peter Parker, whatever his name was, Peter something trope. Uh, he knew, he was he, he got it. But Leo and uh, Claire Danes, I don't think they ever studied Shakespeare. The, the, the Jane Jensen and Will Keenan were Shakespearean scholars. They knew and 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 they we went to see a lot of of Shakespeare and we took a, a, a seminar you know we they they understood it and they, that's why Tromeo and Juliet is so good the the Zeffirelli is is a very uh, 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 the only reason to see that one the uh, Romeo and Juliet is if you have a remote control you can freeze it on Olivia Hussey's breast for about 2 seconds <laughs> otherwise there's nothing in that and the uh, the Baz Luhrmann one is just totally ridiculous. It's a, it's a joke. But the George Cukor Romeo and Juliet, which for some reason the Museum of Modern Art, you know, he's the guy who who directed the Judy Holiday and uh, and uh, and uh, also Judy Garland. Uh, and um, uh, she, he did uh, the Star Is Born. He did uh, the Marion Kind. George Cukor did the first did the. Uh, the, the burning scene in uh, Gone with the Wind. I mean, he's one of the great American directors. Uh, and his Romeo and Juliet was the one that informed our Tromeo and Juliet that James Gunn and I wrote. And um, uh, it's a much better... I don't know why they didn't show that at the museum because it's if you it, 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 if you look at that one, you'll see even the music uh, is the same uh, music in uh, our Tromeo and Juliet, although we had Willie Wisely adapted to a more Troma-esque uh, theme. But anyway, enough for this boring Shakespeare stuff. Why are you guys so intellectual? Bring me back to. I want to see. I want to talk about Terrence Malick. He's so wonderful. He's just great. They they they, they love him. Sundance and all the assholes. <laughs> so I guess kind of bringing it back somewhat to comic books. You so you had the the Toxic Avenger movies, and then the Toxic Crusaders cartoon, which also was great. I've actually just rewatched a bunch of episodes uh, semi recently, and I still love it it's i think it was on amazon prime 
great show. I I loved it. Um, how well, about- if, I, if I if I can interrupt you for yeah, a yeah. second, all uh, to thank our fans for uh, supporting us for forty three years. Um, uh, to thank our fans, we put up uh, a channel called Troma Movies. Totally free, costs nothing. We've got about 300 movies there, plus the Toxic Crusaders series, plus Doggy Tales for Kids, a, a children's movie, and all my make-your-own-damn-movie lessons and our political short films and all the... Uh, there's a, 800 different uh, movies on Troma Movies, all free to thank our fans. So if anybody wants to see those cartoons for free, uh, they're all on, uh, uh, on uh, YouTube on Troma Movies channel. That is incredible. Uh, That's awesome. Cartoons are good, right? Yeah, yeah, they're really good. I I really enjoyed them. Um, And then after that, you guys came out with uh, the Toxic Avenger comic book. Well, we didn't. That's uh, Stan Lee and I go back to my Yale days. Uh, When I was at Yale, the only thing I learned uh, was uh, uh, drugs and uh, comic books, basically. I mean, I majored in something, but. Uh, I had never seen it. I didn't read comic books. And then my, the guy next door to me had a big collection of Marvel and uh, the uh, art and Spidey. You know, I got totally obsessed with it. And I searched out Stan Lee. And uh, the first time I met him was in the late 60s. And he gave me uh, a reel-to-reel quarter-inch tape. And he said, this is an idea I have for a script. Uh, send me uh, send and uh, write the script. So I did. And uh, we've sold it a couple of times. We sent, it was bought a couple of times, optioned, optioned, but never got made. And uh, and now when we can get it made, uh, Stan Lee's handlers uh, don't want them involved with uh, making a movie with uh, me. So uh, it's dead. Oh. But I'm not bitter. But the good news is uh, Peter Parker is in uh, most of my movies. So you'll, you'll see him. Uh, uh, he looks a lot like Stan Lee, but... He's credited as uh, Peter Parker. He's in uh, both Return to Volume 1 and uh, Return to Volume 2. Stan actually is a very important part of the Troma family. I've known him longer than I've known my wife. Oh, wow. And uh, we wrote, uh, we did Night of the Witch together, and then we did another one. Uh, I had an idea for a uh, well, congressman, it was called, We uh, about 20 years ago, because Stan liked Kabuki Man. He loves Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. Yes. And uh, so and I had an idea that we'd have a kind of a congressman superhero kind of thing. But uh, we couldn't do it. Couldn't put it together. And again, his his handlers don't want him producing movies with me. They want him to be triple A. Yeah. So uh, it's, he, he's OK to be in a film, you know, do a cameo. But that's it. Very cool. So I have to ask then, since you and Stan go so far back, do you have a favorite story with Stanley? Uh, you know, I, I I think the best story I ever had with him was was at one of those conventions, and my suite was next to his. And oh, oh god damn it, the guy who did a, a very famous sci-fi writer. Oh, he oh boy, you would know who he is. I. He may have been involved in Star Trek or he, Gene Roddenberry. Oh, no, I can't. No, it was this guy did. I think didn't like Roddenberry, if I remember correctly. Oh, boy, he may be dead. I don't know. He may be still alive. Very nice guy, but you would definitely know him. Any sci-fi fan, he he was a novelist and screenplay and did wrote a lot of sci-fi books. But anyway, he and Stan and I were in Stan's suite, 
And for some reason, Stan went through his uh, toilet kit, you know, where you keep your, your traveling toilet kit with your toothbrush. And, and I filmed, and he did this whole explanation of how he travels and what he takes with him. And we're um, cataloging all my old uh, home movies, so to speak. So I hope I find that because it was really fun. It was really interesting. And it was it was so Stan Lee just enjoying himself in his uh, toilet kit. It was great. That was the best. <laughs> and he's the, a great guy. Was the author, uh, was it Ray Bradbury? No, it no, wasn't. Okay. But you're on the right track. It was in that league. It was in that league. Right. I just... Uh, There's probably someone out there listening might, to this whenever it comes out yelling it. He was pretty old then. Uh, but again, I... And a really sweet guy. He liked... There might have been a feud between him and Roddenberry. So if you Google feud with Roddenberry, I this could also be. I took, I, I took a lot of sky high on cat tranquilizer right now to prepare for you. So this could all, although the Stan Lee, I did film him going through the toilet kit. And that guy, the famous guy was there with me. So he's probably on. If we ever find that, uh, that uh, video cassette or high eight or whatever, high eight, whatever it was, uh, it'll be there. I hope we find it. It was yeah. very interesting. Put that up on uh, YouTube. well if you go to the trauma channels actually there are uh, i've interviewed stan a few times certainly i've interviewed him for my books Uh, i've written six books and i interviewed him for i think uh uh, direct your own damn movie and i asked him about uh, you know his because he's been in more cameos than i have He's had. He's the, the the champion of cameos. Uh, I asked him about his opinion. Talk about what makes a good director from his point of view, and he he gave a great interview. It was really interesting. It was really great. Yeah. As far yeah. as your cameos go, though, your cameo you have a wider range of movies for cameos because you range from like trauma films to Slither all the way to like Rocky. So- well, I also I also range uh, down. To, uh, to uh, I'm in uh, the uh, what is it the penetrator <laughs> or no uh, <laughs> I'm in some of the uh, the porn uh, uh, satires. A guy who used to work for us made uh, some porno uh, with Burning Angel. I think it is some. Uh, they're funny, but they're definitely hardcore porn. So I go all the way from Rocky down to uh, to porn. And, I mean, you know. <laughs> So you, just, so you hit, you you hit every movie gamut. rating. Yeah, you run the game. Yeah, but I only do I only do gay porn, as, as everyone knows. Uh, <laughs> I, I can only get it up for a nice forty year old fat man. <laughs> Those bears. Yeah, the bears. That's right. Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy is in all our movies. He's been in our movies. He's been in every trauma movie I think since around the eighties. Since uh, Subhumanoid Meltdown, which was class of Newcomb High Part 2 that was uh, after Part 1 from the 80s so and Return gotta... to Newcomb High he's in Return to Newcomb High also Ron Jeremy and in Return to Newcomb High Volume 2 you'll see Ron Jeremy uh, uh, I don't want to be a spoiler but he he plays a um, very very uh, unusual part one you would not suspect him of playing Oh, okay, a little mystery there. And and he's very good, too. He writes his own, you know, we give him the, we write his scenes, but then he rewrites them, and uh, usually he makes them funnier. You know, he's very, very good. Cool. 
So I got to ask this. Yeah, sure. Since since you and him uh, obviously have gone way back, how did you even come to meet Ron Jeremy in the first place? (laughs) Oh, well, I'm on uh, Grindr, as you know. uh, Oh, yeah. So I met him. Oh, no, I met Nova uh, on Grindr. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You're just knocking off the list of the four guys, right? No, but it's not, not here to, to object. Um, no. defend himself. Uh, I don't. I think you know Ron Jeremy is a major uh, expert on pop culture, and trauma movies are great. They are very, very good for people who take the trouble to see them. You know, go back and look at Squeeze Play. About that was a movie we did a goofy uh, before Porky's. We did. Uh, we got into the raunchy, uh, sexy comedy world before Porky's, and Squeeze Play is an, is about the uh, Equal Rights Amendment through the women's softball team. But um, but you go look at that movie. It's very intelligent. It's hilarious. It's intelligent. Uh, and it's got a lot of sex in it. But because it's a low budget and, uh, you know, people kind of dismiss us. But Squeeze Play, Waitress, Stuck on You, First Turn On. Ron watched those movies uh, then. And he's an expert on pop culture. And, and he knows a lot about music. And he's written a song that we used in Terror Firmer. Uh, Terror Firmer, he has a huge part in that. And um, well, he has a huge part, period. But I meant he has a huge role. <laughs> has a huge role in uh, in uh, Terra Firmer, and he wrote uh, one of the songs. Uh, I think it's called "Freak of the Week," which actually I believe became uh, sort of a cult hit. I think it was a hit. Uh, he's he's a pretty interesting guy. Uh, no no joke. That documentary about him is great too. If you have the Ron Jeremy Superstar, I think it's called. It's really good. It's it's. You know, it's 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 kind of bittersweet. It's great. You know, it's touching. It's touching. They did they did a great job. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yep, they were a lot nicer to Ron Jeremy than Howard Stern was to the late Hank the Angry Dwarf. I think Howard Stern killed Hank the Angry. I think. Hank, <laughs> yeah, Hank played God in uh, Citizen Toxie, the Toxic Avenger Part Four. And I wouldn't let him. He promised he wouldn't drink. I didn't let him drink. And he did a nice job. And he could have had a I think he could have had a nice little acting career because certainly the the piece he did for us uh, where we played God, he was excellent. And I think he could have put a reel together and actually had a career. But instead, they used him as a drunken freak and, and they killed him, in my opinion. A stern kill. That'd be my guess. I mean, not my guess. That's my opinion. Yeah. So that's not uh, that there's no art in that just having some drunken dwarf on stage is sad hashtag sad <laughs> <laughs> so red do you have any more questions i am good tell you the truth this has been fun tap do you have any more questions uh no i just want to say thank you for uh everything you've done over the years with trauma films uh like i said it was a big part of my life growing up and watching <laughs> especially uh, you know the Toxic Avenger movies, Toxic Crusaders, the comic books, all that kind of growing up for me in the in the mid to late '80s, early '90s was was a really big thing. So, thank you for all your work that you do. And uh, I, like I said, I'm going to go on my other podcast, and we're going to promote the heck out of this and try to get you down here in Omaha and have a well, viewing. Thank you. Thank yep, you. and we're already trying to do work for you in Denton too. So you may have to do a little bit of traveling for this movie. Uh, let's do it. We'll we'll bring Toxie and we'll uh, we'll make an event. And by the way, um, <clears throat> there's a guy in Omaha. Uh, I think he's uh, uh, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, he's very rich. Uh, Warren Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. 
I know. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, no. But uh, Uh, but, uh, uh, he's uh, I'm sure he's uh, a fan of four guys in a comic book podcast. (laughs) Uh, It's rumors out there. Yeah, (laughs) I I see him on television. He's like he he reminds me of like that guy on The Simpsons, you know, runs the nuclear power plant. Mr. 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 Burns. 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 Mr. I don't invest in anything I don't understand. <laughs> right? And the exactly. people on CNBC are kissing his ass. He likes the chick. He likes, uh, what's her name? Uh, 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 um, the, the one who's on in the early morning. He, he, he seems to like her. At any rate, uh, enough about Warren Buffett. But uh, he's well to be brought. Bring him along. All right. I, we'll I will it. do my best. We'll take him for a Buffett lunch. All you can eat, buffet it. We'll give him an all you can eat, buffet it. Uh, Arby's. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, you well, guys are you guys are great. Thank you so much. Really hey, thank you, it. Lloyd. Appreciate. We it. really appreciate you coming on the show. And like I said, you're always welcome to come back and talk about any new movies that oh, you do yeah. or anything else. If you surprise us with a comic book soon, or somehow it happens, let us know, and uh, we'll get on oh, it. No, there's a. Uh, I think there's a. There, there are Toxic Avenger toys, Super Seven that just came out. They they call them reaction toys instead of action figures. These are reaction figures. Uh, Troma Now TV channel, which is our paid world premiere channel. They're all world premieres and movies that I curate from our thousand movie library. That one, the first month is free. You pay if somebody wants to support Troma, and we're pretty bankrupt. So if you want to support us, sign up for Troma Now, which is four ninety nine a month. The first month is free. And every month we're putting up world premiere, two or three world premiere movies, and about ten curated uh, movies that I curate. And and uh, I'm still I'm still uh, directing stuff. You know, people hire me to do music video. We put all that stuff up. So um, you should, uh, you know, so many people say, oh, trauma was very important when I was a kid, but. Uh, movies are—I uh, think they're—they're they're better than ever. Really, it's just unfortunately we can't compete with the consolidated movie industry. Where, as you noticed, AT and T now owns uh, Time Warner, which owns about twenty percent of all media, and then uh, Rupert Murdoch owns another twenty percent of all media. And, and Disney owns the rest. <laughs> well, the Sumner Meyerson, the Sumner Redstone owns Viacom which owns MTV and Paramount. You have about four. If anybody wants to get, if anyone really, if any of the uh, so-called snowflakes, uh, if Will Smith really wants to do something about uh, hashtag uh, Oscar so white, he ought to speak out against uh, the 80-year-old white woman hater uh, Rupert Murdoch and against the 90-year-old white pervert woman hater uh, Summer Redstone who owns Viacom because those are two old white men who owned 40% of everything you see and read and hear and watch. That's where Will Smith could could, could do something. Instead, uh, and Meryl Streep, they're all like little sheep. You know, they, they'll, they'll attack what the 99% of their... Uh, High five! You know the the ninety nine percent of their community will appreciate, but they won't really do anything brave. They won't go out and uh, even though they all have millions and millions and millions, they won't go after the truth. 
Meryl Streep, right? She made a big stink about uh, Trump uh, calling, let Trump make fun of a retard or a cripple or something, right? And and so what? He did. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Nobody's, it's a little, it's not 100% sure. But what is 100% sure is that Meryl Streep gave a pedophile by the name of Roman Polanski a, a standing ovation. And I wrote a uh, essay about that whole issue. It's on... Uh, Huffington, uh, Huffington uh, put it out on right. She she stands up and gives a pedophile a standing ovation. Meryl Streep does, but um, uh, that's okay apparently. You give a standing ovation. De Niro and uh, Scorsese gave the Lifetime Achievement Award to a coward, uh, a coward who uh, turned in his fellow artists uh, during the blacklisting days. Right. Uh, the guy who directed uh, what was his name again? The guy who directed East of Eden, and he and he was Arthur Miller's director. Crap, I can't remember his name. Uh, but anyway, he's dead. But they, you know, that's okay, right? Name names, name names. Have people that he caused people to kill himself. Uh, what the fuck was his name? Uh, you guys know him. He directed East of Eden and uh, the James Dean movies, and and uh, oh, crap. I, I hate him so much I forgot. Yeah, I can't but he caught he guy. caught well you know, anyway he got they gave, they gave him the lifetime achievement award, right? Uh, I think uh, Chris Christopherson refused to stand up. Spielberg was like half standing up. I think John Voigt refused to stand up when uh, when the when they did the Oscars. But most of the little fuckers st- stood up to applaud this guy. Kazan? Uh, he uh what, say it again? Kazan? Yes, uh, Kazan, Ilya Kazan. Uh, I read his book, The Arrangement, yeah, right, where he kind of papers over what he did. But he, he volunteered to name names. He was directing Arthur Miller on Broadway. He didn't have to protect his job. He was fine. He had plenty of New York theater to make money with. He wasn't naming names to save his house or save his family or save his career. He was doing it just to fuck people. He was doing it out of evil. And yet they give him the Lifetime Achievement Award. This is why I'm I'm pushed deeper and deeper and deeper into the underground because Uncle Lloyd uh, deals with certain truths and I can't I'm obsessed with this stuff I can't I can't stop thinking about it and writing about it and it's in all if you see volume two of Return to Newcomb High I think you'll find some very interesting social uh, commentary in that and maybe that's the reason Trong is still here after 43 years and uh, the uh, Companies that used to take uh, 20 or 30 pages of ads in Variety during the Cannes Film Festival, uh, all those companies are gone, long gone. We're the only independent movie studio uh, that's lasted for 43 years in the history of uh, movies, I think. We're certainly the oldest uh, continuous-running independent movie studio in American history, without a doubt. So um, the reason for that is our movies have something to say, and they're very entertaining, and... uh, they get dismissed, right? New York Times wrote us up last Sunday. But they couldn't They couldn't say something nice. They had to call it schlock, right? Schlock doesn't mean nice. Schlock means sausage. And I spent seven years on the fucking Return to Nukamai, the, the, the two movies, and Travis Campbell, poor Travis Campbell, right? He made uh, Mr. Bricks, a heavy metal murder musical, uh, and uh, independent filmmaker. He's been on it for seven years. That's all, that's all we've done for seven years is Return to Nukemai Volume 1 and Volume 2. And these fuckers can't even, they call that schlock? Fuck them. 
Yeah, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see Terrence Malick's movies. Do you think anyone's going to watch Terrence Malick in 20 years? Is anyone going to watch Moonlight in 20 years? Not a chance. Is anyone going to watch Nocturnal Animals in 20 years? No way. Is anyone going to Well, Nocturnal Animals uh, they're making a sequel with a uh, a, um, a rich uh, president who tweets in the middle of the night, uh, Nocturnal Animals Part Two. But uh, other than that, <laughs> is anybody is anybody going to remember any of those? Other than uh, La La Land, which is a masterpiece, and 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 Drizzle, whatever his name is, Damien Drizzle, he is the real thing. He's real. He's great. But uh, oh shit, they were all, they've already forgotten. They're forgotten already. Right. The main thing is that your mainstream. Uh, what's that? <laughs> Any rate, uh, the uh, cat tranquilizer is starting to kick in for real. So uh, I better let you guys. You guys are so nice. You're too polite. Oh no, you're, you're much too polite. Oh no, you're killing us right now. Well, you're if, great. You're great. If you boy. if if you come to New York, come and visit the Troma Building. You'll meet very nice young people like yourselves who really love cinema and and uh, you know are real genuine, devoted to uh, making independent art. So uh, come visit. You'll have a good time. If you're in New York, please uh, come oh, and I visit. I will definitely do that if definitely. I ever get up that way. See where the magic happens. Oh, that the magic. <laughs> Alrighty, I better let you go. All right, All right. Well, hey, it. we appreciate it so much, man. Well, when you need me, I'm there, right? So, uh, you know, if you have a hole in your schedule and you, you know, we're always making new movies or there's always a lot of stuff going on here. Troma Now, there's like 10 new you know, ten new James Guns of the future that whose movies are all world premiering. And, uh, uh, you know, Kansas Bowling, 17-year-old director who I gave some money to, uh, she's terrific. She's going to be the next uh, James Gunn. I mean, I don't mean the tra- uh, in the way that Caitlyn Jenner did it, but she's going <laughs> to. She, you're going to hear from her, buddy. That's for sure. She's amazing. She's amazing. Anyway, I'll let you go. All <laughs> Cheers, right. Thank you. Call me anytime. Anytime. That's a wrap on another fun podcast. Thanks for joining us. But the comic fun doesn't stop here. Check out Four Guys in a Comic on our YouTube channel. You can watch our comic reviews, hilarious pulling ads, and comic hauls, among other comic hijinks. We're also on Twitter. We love talking to our fans. Drop us a line anytime. Not enough for you? We got your back. You can hang out with us on Instagram and Facebook, too. If that's not enough for you, we got a special deal for you. Comic Bento is offering our fans a special deal with 15% off. That's right. Use the link in the notes for a 15% off a Comic Bento subscription. And if you're new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean. Stay awesome, friends. <laughs>